Hello and welcome my partners in crime and thank you for joining me again today for another true crime. Now over the next 20 days I'm going to be doing 20 cases, one a day for 20 days and this is to promote the missing persons campaign. Now but first of all today this is case one and this is the case, terrible case really, unsolved, quite an old case but it is of April Fab. Now, one of the subscribers and someone that's messaged me also about this case to do this case, so thank you very much for bringing this case to light and it's going to kick off this 20 days of really highlighting cases of the missing. Now, you can donate to any missing persons charity. They really need your assistance. It helps, really. It helps with the advertising. On my Facebook page on Murder Analyzed, we have um, a donation and it goes straight to then the Missing People's Fund. Um, you can donate to that. So this whole cases over the next 20 days, there'll be others in between, but the missing cases are done between 1 to 20 and they will only be about missing and people that have been missing for not so long sometimes or quite a long time. But Christmas is a terrible time of year, you know, for lots of people for lots of different reasons. But it's also worse when you are waiting for someone, a child, a loved one, to come home. And they haven't been coming home for many, many years. And Christmas is a very dark time for them families. And so if you can help in any way, even by sharing out these videos, making it known. And if you know something about any of the missing cases, that we are doing please make what you know tell someone as i said and i always say it can be sometimes the most significant thing that you think that doesn't really isn't relevant and may not matter someone may have said something someone's behavior may have been a little bit strange say it say it because it just may be just that one piece isn't it of information that's missing so today we're going to kick off, aren't we, on our case one of our 20-day challenge for this campaign for missing um, people. So this is the April Fab case, and she was born on the 22nd of April 1955 and disappeared on the 8th of April 1969. And to this day, there has been no trace of April at all, ever. She left her home, and that was it. She was gone. Now, she was only 13 years old at the time of her disappearance, on the 8th of April, 1969. Now, she went missing between the villages, because this is a UK case, a Norfolk case, and it was Metton and um, Rufton um, in Norfolk, and I'll show you the map, and you can see it was like a two-mile sort of bike ride that she was going to go on. So this morning... Um, she was doing her stuff and in with her mum and everything else and she was um, going to go to her sister's because uh, it was her brother-in-law's birthday and she would brought him some cigarettes and stuff and uh, I think it was ten, a packet of 10 cigarettes for his birthday and that was in her um, bike, in her bag on her bike. She also had a handkerchief in her bag on her bike and also had like two and a half pence in old money, which you know in 1969 was you know a bit of money. Now all this stuff remained there. Now I'm going to say from the beginning there is a lot of similarities um, to the uh, Jeanette Tate case that we've done, you know same age. 
um, rural setting, even one Norfolk, one in Devon, but rural settings, a bike was found, discarded, this child's just gone without a trace. So similar on the outset, but it's when you look a little bit deeper, there's a di bit different things here going on, I think, but there could be some links. It's been discounted because I think they think it's more local person, um, but I don't think you can discount anything when you have no evidence to counteract that. You know, there's no evidence uh, in, in this case at all. Not at all. Exactly actually the same as Jeanette Tate's. None at all. So at around 1.40pm on Tuesday the 8th of April 1969, April left her home in Messon where had to visit her sister's house in this Rufton. Now she travelled by bicycle that she had uh, picked up this 10 cigarettes, you know she had this five and a half pence, you know old money, in a, in a handkerchief in a saddlebag on her bike and off she went. Now she said to her mum, I'm going to my sister's mum and I'll talk about the sisters in a little while. Now the mum said to her, oh I can't go love, I've got to do my ironing. You go and I'll see you soon. Now that was the last time that her mother had ever seen or spoke to her again. That was it. So she's got on her bike and we know that about 10 minutes later after that she was seen um, in this lane um, or in this, you know, I think it was, um, there was men doing like an ordnance survey and different things in these lanes but she had this blue and white bicycle and it was seen laying in a field. Now this was near her home so like 10 minutes but before that she had been seen talking to two friends and I think there was donkeys in one of the field. Now she just loved animals, she just loved it and she stopped, that's why they think she stopped at this field opening because at that time there were donkeys there and she was stroking the donkeys and everything and that was it. Within, you know, 10 minutes her bike then was seen laying in a field. It looked like someone had literally chucked it over the hedgerow into a field. So that was sort of it really. That's it. There isn't much else, same as Jeanette's. There's not much else on this case at all. You know, and, and I was saying on the surface, yes, you know, they are very similar. And again, you know, we've said with Jeanette Tate's case that uh, Robert Black, Robert Black was up on in the frame for this one. And listen, who's to say that Robert Black didn't do it? You know, this typical him. But he wouldn't, I don't think he would even waste his time of chucking that bike over a hedgerow. I don't think he would. He would have just left it. There's no way he's going to try and hide it. Didn't need to. No one was around. So, there is a footage that I've took from someone else that's done this, and I'm going to. I'll, I'll leave it in the link so you can watch her thing. It's only a short video on it. But there's one of um, April's friends in this video, and she talks about the bike. She talks about when they were friends many years ago when they used to ride their bikes everywhere. Now you talk about 1969, no one was out nicking bikes I and mean, you couldn't leave a bike outside here now, it'd be gone in minutes. Gosh, even if it's chained up it'd be gone. But in them days you see, these kids used to leave their bikes lying around and stuff when they'd go back off for the day and have a bit of fun, come back and then bikes would still be there. So she's always found 
this issue of this bike not being just thrown over the hedgerow, right? Someone who's took her could have done that. But it was the point that someone picked that bike up within half an hour of little April's um, disappearance and took to the police station and said they found this in a field within half an hour. And she's never understood that because in her day and in that area, you wouldn't think to do that. No one thought to do that. So she's always thought that was a bit strange. Plus you had a lot of workers in this area had pipelines going in for gas pipelines and different stuff going in. And, you know, and I think the police have ruled out that uh, maybe one of the vans or something has hit her. Um, the bike, again, like Jeanette's bike, wasn't damaged in the way where it had been hit. It had been thrown, but it hadn't been hit. There was no blood on the road. There was nothing on the road. They did find a handkerchief actually with blood on it, and it turned out later on that it was blood from um, a, a lady that had took her kid out and had fallen over and scraped his knee and, and that, but um, little April's um, handkerchief was still in the saddlebags on her bike so that was discounted so really I, I, I think people think that it, it's someone local because of the workmen in that area you just don't know could it have been black it's another one couldn't it could have been could have been black um, but again you know you can't you know, how many how many murders can we put onto Robert Black you know, yeah, I, I think if it if, if it just left the bike and, and gone, we could have. But no, and I think one of the, the detectives in this case says that he does think it's a local person, that someone knows something. Listen, someone always knows something. Always. Why do you pick a bike up in a field? I mean, when, I was, when we were all about together, I used to go up to Suster Church, chuck our bikes up near the wall, and we would clear off all day. And we'd come back and our bike would still be there. So why was that bike picked up and taken to Quilmer Police Station? What, was it a half an hour after she went missing? And that is the question, and who threw the bike over the hedge? Did she throw it and go off, or did a person hit her, panic, and throw it over the hill, or did somebody mean to have pipelines being done at the time? and? People said she was there, but they walked the pipelines, there was no disturbance. Somebody could have knocked her off a bike and just panicked and took her. You know, nobody will ever know, will they? There was an old mile pit, which is slime. If you put anything in lime, it just disintegrates. But they were digging the sewer pipes at the time, and they walked them and they said there was no disturbance. You can go on asking questions, can't you, all the time. Why did it happen? But you're never going to know the answer, are you? Well, you might find it one day. What can they do? What can police do? They've covered every corner. Um, you know, what else can be done? We just hope that she's got to be found, but 50 years is a long time, isn't it? A significant investigation into what happened to April Fab, who went missing a fortnight before her 14th birthday. Michael Cole was a reporter working for the BBC at the time. And it was very clear early on that 
it wasn't just somebody run away, that she'd been abducted and something dreadful had happened to her. Half a century later, we're still baffled by the case of April Fab. It was shortly before two o'clock on April the 8th, 1969, that she left her home village in Metton to cycle the two miles to her sister's house to give her brother-in-law a birthday present. She stopped close to this field to talk to two friends. After that, she simply vanished. Fifty years on, what happened to April Fab remains a mystery. It's what happened in the ten or so minutes that April was last seen to the moment her bicycle was spotted lying in a nearby field that the police have never been able to account for. With more sophisticated techniques, today's police may have had more success. But despite a huge search in the weeks after she went missing, there was no indication of what happened to a young girl described by those who knew her as polite and home-loving. I've always felt that um, there's a local element to, to April's disappearance. And, and it may be there are people alive today that have always suspected a family member, a friend, someone more local um, that they felt uncomfortable about. And it may be as time's gone on and is a, an anniversary or mention of Metin, that that person behaves differently, there's a change of behaviour. So that's the sort of information we're very interested in hearing, even 50 years later. Michael Cole recalls the investigation becoming so desperate a Dutch clairvoyant was brought in to try and help, but that yielded nothing. Half a century on, her file remains open, but realistically, will this mystery ever be solved? So let's talk a little bit about April, shall we? Let's give her some life. Let's bring her back into our focus, not just about her disappearance, but about her. Now this girl was a 13-year-old teenager, had her whole life to live in front of her. She was a shy girl, she was animal mad, she loved animals, and that's why she would have stopped at that field to talk to and stroke them donkeys at that point when they was in that field. That's why she would have done that. She absolutely loved them. So he was doted on by her family and also her family terrier that she doted on, Trudy. She loved Trudy. She loved that dog. She just loved her. And she was just this lovely girl. Her mum and dad were lovely. Her mum was a stay-at-home mum, I think Olive, her name was her mum, I'll, I'll go for it a bit more in a minute, and Ernest, her dad. Now, it's, these people never got over this. You know, she had a couple of sisters, they was, had moved out, she was the youngest child. You know, the mum had stayed at home to do a bit of ironing for this girl. It was just, they were just lovely, lovely people. April loved to collect stamps, you know, she had posters up on her wall and stuff. And then posters on them more of her favourite bands at that time remained up on her wall, you know, for years and years and years. They never took them down. And you find this with a lot of families that are waiting for someone to come home, that they change nothing. They just can't. Because the minute they start to do that, in their minds, they're really gone, aren't they? And I think this is why they did this. You know, Ernest and Olive were just lovely people who just wanted their child back home and this was one way I think of keeping it. I think she had a little dolly that they kept and stuff and they kept that for years. Now listen these people have passed away now and again they have died without knowing um, you know what happened to their children and you're going to see a clip of 
um, Ernest and Olive. And again, I took this and I shall put the link um, to where I got this from so you can have a look at the full clip of it. I've only used certain clips of it. But you can see in Olive's face and she says that she dreams about April, you know, walking around the corner, you know, with a man and a child because she hopes and in her mind that's probably how she's had to cope with that loss is to imagine that this child's gone off, met someone, having a life, having a child and one day she's going to walk back around that corner and say hello I'm here. Some people find different ways of coping where Ernest I think within a month or two came to the realisation that something had happened to April and that um, he was probably never going to see her again. It's how we all react, don't we, I suppose, to grief in our different ways, because these people were grieving. ...ever discovering their daughter's fate. In the early days of the search, they had mixed views as to whether there would be a happy outcome. Sometimes I've seen her come round the corner of our house at men with a gentleman and a little child. And I just hope that there is something in that and one day she'll come home. Yeah, I used to have hopes for a, perhaps for a month or so, but after they kept going on and on and on, I think she must have been killed or done something to him. So getting back to her disappearance, I think the first sight, I think, of anything was wrong was on this Tuesday 8th of April 1969 when this teenager, this young girl, this 13-year-old April, had not returned home and this was about 10 o'clock at night. Now, after learning that no one really, they'd you know, gone around, everyone spoke to everyone, no one had seen April on that day apart from the two young school friends that had seen her about 10 minutes after she left her home. That was the last sighting of April Fab that anyone's ever seen to this day. At this point when they was ringing around and doing all this they hadn't had um, any knowledge of her bike being found because the person who had picked it up had took it to the police station and of course you know a bike sitting there on its own with no one around, no no blood, no nothing, it's just a bike that's been found and someone's handed it in. Um, so of course the, the parents weren't informed about anything at that point and that had been taken I think, to this Cromer police station and that was discovered, you know, um, and added really then to these officers for then once they found that she was missing and that was her bike then that was already in the police station for many, many hours. Um, then it really things then began to hot up and also they sort of came to realise that this girl was not a runaway. I think once, um, it was quite late into the night and I think one of the detectives, I think it was detective or chief superintendent, um, he realised, I think, or Lester his name was, I think, uh, chief superintendent Lester. Now he realised, I think, immediately once all this had happened that this was an abduction and that he really then tried to do everything he could in this case this is one of the biggest you know hunts for evidence really in the Norfolk Force you know and the biggest in their history and I think this this case he says you know it stayed for him for about 48 50 odd years this case he never forgot it because they tried everything to find this girl within their power and we didn't have in them days CCTV or you know footage or we didn't have dash cams and you know door cams and all this stuff you know number plate recognition we had none of that there was none of that there was no DNA there was nothing there was nothing 
So it was a case of eyewitness testimony only, and at that point, there was nothing. So it's so frustrating, and they knew it was so frustrating that they, you know, they searched everywhere, and they did search where the drains had been, or the new drainage was being put in for the gas piping and everything else was being put in. But this is a worry because there's also other things in this area like salt uh, or lime um, sort of bogginess. And, um, and you, you know, and I think one of her um, April's friends have said that about this area as well. You know, if you want to get rid of a body, it wouldn't take long for that body to go. But anyway, it was it's very strange case, this case, when it comes down to literally again, we have a child riding her bike and 10 minutes later, she's gone. So the facts of this case really are at 1.20 um, in the afternoon, that April left her home. She saw two friends playing with a donkey in the field. She stopped, she had a chat. Uh, she then resumed her journey. The last sighting of the 13 year old was by a driver of a Land Rover passing, um, passing the opposite direction. So she was coming down this way, he was going that way. Um, and she left um, the hamlet at 14.06, at 2.06. That was it. Nine minutes later, she was gone. Nine minutes later, she was gone. So I think when I say the bike had been thrown over this bank, this country lane, that hedgerow was six foot tall. Six foot tall. You, know, you try and pick up this blue, she was 13, so it's a standard size bike, um, probably heavier in them days, it's not like now we have lightweight bikes, don't we, it wouldn't have been in them days, so you're now trying to throw a bike over, and they threw it over, six foot high, bank, hmm, you know, I think there's someone with some strength there. As soon as time passed, this, this case, as with many cold cases, especially cold cases, you know, in this area where there wasn't any of this extra evidence that you could gather. You're relying, aren't you, on people who know something, who may still know something to this day to come forward. Because really that's the only way that this case will be solved in any way. Now listen, most of us know, I mean she's done, they've done, age, I think 2012 they've done an age progression photo of her, um, That because they have to, they have to because there's no evidence to say that she's dead or alive really, so they have to keep their options open. But when we look at what evidence we have got, we have someone that was passing, they had nine minutes, nine minutes to take this child from this laneway, nine minutes. They were strong enough to throw a, a bike over a six foot bank hedgerow. They were strong enough to do that. So they were definitely strong enough to pick up a child. There was no evidence on the roadside or on the lane of an accident. The bike didn't look like it had been an accident, it looked like it had been thrown over, but it hadn't looked like it had been in a car accident. There's just nothing that says that. 
So really your only conclusion comes down to is that this girl was abducted from this laneway. That's what she was. The case is, it's that nine minute gap in that timeline that holds the key. Now someone, someone you know, someone you've heard speaking about this case, someone that may be acting or acted funny around that time, someone that maybe have done something to you that you don't want to come forward and say. This is a really important case because you had workmen, local people in this area. They must have known this area to have got rid of this body quite quickly. Or it's an opportunist killer like the same with Jeanette Tates that's come past, pick this kid up and they've gone. They're driving, you're gone. You're gone, aren't you? They're gone. If you know anything about this case, please make it known. It doesn't matter how insignificant you think it is. It doesn't ma matter how old your information is. If someone's told you something in secret, if someone's told you not to say anything, it's time to come forward and say it because it's really important that this case is finalised and people, the remaining sisters of April, get some rest from this. I mean, they're in their 70s now, 80s now. They're waiting. People are waiting. Someone always knows something. So please come forward. So thank you. This is case one. And as we move on to case two in our 20 case challenge for to show awareness for the missing and the people that won't be coming home this Christmas, I really thank you for watching. So this has been the April Fab case. This is a young girl that disappeared on the 8th of April 1969. And to this day, nothing, not a sight a hair or anything of her has ever been found. No one's ever come forward with any information. There has been no eyewitnesses apart from the two girls that saw and spoke to her while they were stroking the donkey. Her family or her mum and her dad have now both passed away without knowing what happened to their child. I really hope that someone out there can really help in this case or any of the other cases that we are going to be putting up over this missing persons campaign we're doing over the next 20 days starting from today the 1st of December 2021 and this will continue on. So thank you for watching, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the time you take to send messages and leave your comments, like our videos which would be great if you could like, subscribe, you know, hit the bell button. Um, you can follow this case on um, Spotify, let's have a chat about murder. You can also follow me on Facebook where you'll see lots of places that you can donate and stuff to missing persons. I also now put a lot more stuff on Instagram and so I hope that you'll join me on there too. So until the next time, thanks for watching. Bye bye.